I just want to begin by first of all saying how thankful I am for the opportunity to, to bring a portion of, of God's Word to you tonight. It's always a blessing when we are uh, afforded that opportunity. So I thank you. Uh, I've, I've been so grateful uh, to be here this summer. It's been wonderful to be here with you, uh, to spend time with, with your children and the young at heart, and, and to spend time amongst all of you. I'm grateful for that. But I do have a confession to make tonight. Before I came here, before I, I uh, flew out this summer, I was really excited to work here, uh, to learn more about ministry, to spend time with new faces, uh, but even to, to gain some new experience, maybe uh, putting myself in situations I hadn't been in before. But the biggest lesson that I learned wasn't one preached from this pulpit. It wasn't one from a Bible class. It came from watching and listening. And it came like a, 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 a punch to the gut. You see, as, as a young man in the church aspiring to, to be a preacher, I had some misconceptions about ministry. Ministry isn't always having the right words to say. Ministry isn't about having a, a good illustration that brings people to tears. Ministry isn't even about telling bad jokes that make people laugh at pity. <laughs> ministry, however, is rooted in relationships, as is our Christianity. Now, this isn't some big secret. It's something that I already knew and something that I'm hopeful you all know. But I think I had minimized the importance of our relationships. And maybe you have too. Now, of course, ministry and Christianity should always be about Christ first. Always. However, knowing that, we should also realize that we have to have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ before we can begin to have relationships with others within the church. But these relationships with Christ and with our fellow Christians and with those in the world can be difficult, and they usually are. So tonight, I have a question to ask you. Let's see if we can get this to work. What's your status? If you're familiar with Facebook, you might have heard this before. Facebook has a feature that allows you to update your relationship status. Some of you, it's been the same for many, many years. Some of us, it changes more than we'd like it to. Some of us, it doesn't ever change, even though we wish it would. Uh, so Facebook has a, a number of choices you can select for your relationship status, single, dating, married, it's complicated, and so on. I think some of us might be thankful that our relationship status with God isn't posted out for everybody to see. Unfortunately, for many of us, it's complicated. Tonight, I want to take a look at a couple of our relationships, uh, talk about maybe some of the struggles we have and what those relationships should look like. Church, we need a strong, healthy relationship with Jesus in order to be a good, successful Christian. In Ephesians chapter 5, a relationship with Jesus Christ is likened to a marriage between a man and a woman. The New Testament calls Christ the bridegroom and the church his bride. Many of you here tonight are married. I want you to consider your own marriages. Think of the time you spent together getting to know one another, growing together, before you ever thought of marriage. Most times we spend anywhere from many months maybe even many years together before marriage. At least, it's usually the case that the better you know somebody before you're married, the better the marriage. 
How many of you recall the Disney movie Frozen? Okay. All right. All the moms are like, yes, we know it. All right. So this was a Disney movie that came out a long, 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 long time ago in 2013. Uh, <laughs> part of the plot of the movie is the sister of the, of the queen, Anna, trying to marry Hans, a prince uh, who we find out later is evil. Uh, but after meeting him only once, Anna declares to marry this man. So there's this whole, this whole scene where they sing together and they're so madly in love and they run off to meet the queen and the first thing Anna does is, hi, this is Hans, and basically just says, we're getting married. And Elsa's response to her sister is, Anna, you can't marry a man you've just met. Church, if our relationship with Christ is like a marriage, we must know him before we can ever be married to him. We must know who he is before we can ever have a relationship with him. That means we need to be spending time with our Savior so that we can have a relationship with him. But how do I spend time with Jesus? I can't exactly invite him out for coffee, right? And yet, Scripture has the answer. Sometimes we don't look for it. Sometimes we don't want to know the answer. We just want to complain. But how do I spend time with Jesus we spend time in his word. John 1 tells us that Jesus is the word. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Just a few verses later in John 1 verse 14 it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is only of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Church, if Jesus is the word, and we're trying to build a relationship with Jesus, we need reading God's Word. I can pull the Bible out and read a scripture here and there, or even pull out a scripture and use it when, it, when, it, uh, when it's to my advantage in an argument, but to intently be studying God's Word, to learn more about who God is and who His Son is, takes time and it takes effort. Church, while it's true that it's no easy task, the end result is a better Christian, trained in scripture, closer to Jesus Christ. We can also be spending time with Jesus Christ in prayer. When we pray, we're praying to our Father. We know that, right? We begin prayers with phrases such as, Dear God, Father in Heaven, or Heavenly Father, or, or whatever you might say when you pray. And so I think sometimes because of that, we forget that we're also speaking to Jesus. Through, we're speaking to God through His Son. In John chapter 14, uh, Jesus is sitting down with the 12 apostles and he's explaining his unity with God and helping the apostles understand. Beginning in verse 12, Jesus uh, tells the apostles, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He goes on into verses 16 and 17 and also explains the relationship that Jesus has with the Holy Spirit. As a young Christian, and maybe even for some of you, this has always been something that I have struggled with. Understanding the relationship between God, our Father, God His Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But Jesus tells the apostles here in speaking to us, just how close of a relationship 
we have with him. He says in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Church, when we pray, we strengthen our bonds with God our Father, his Son and our Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. When we pray, God hears us through his Son. Jesus is listening. He loves you and he cares. Scripture says that we cast our burdens on him. Why? Because he cares for us. When you're getting to know someone, you know this, if you're getting to know somebody, whether it's uh, to hopefully enter into a relationship with them or maybe even someone here new at church that you're just introducing yourself to, we often spend a lot of time talking to them to get to know them. Spend some time with Jesus, y'all. Spend time talking to him. Speak to him like he's your loved one. Let him hear your praise and your struggles and your ups and your downs. Trust the Lord with what's on your mind. Now, you're going to be shocked to hear this, but I don't mind talking. I like talking. I'm a person, however, that I have a really hard time talking with things I'm struggling with, talking about uh, the things I'm afraid of or things that I'm worried about. And so it builds up until it spirals out of control. Luke can testify to that. He's seen it a few times here this summer. I think many of us are unfortunately in that same mindset that we don't want to share our struggles. I have a hard enough time doing it with people. I've found that it's even harder sometimes to talk to God about it. And when I sat, when you sit back and think about it, I don't understand that. He already knows. He already knows. He's just waiting for us to tell him. It's kind of like when you get in trouble as a child and your parents already know what you did. They don't say anything to you. Because they want you to tell them. They want you to come talk to them. God wants us to come speak with him. Jesus wants us to sit down and share our worries and our successes and our ups and our downs with him. So church, I encourage you to find the time to speak to Jesus. Church, we need to be working on our relationship with Jesus Christ every day. Don't be afraid to thank him for the small things. Don't be afraid to just talk to him. It doesn't have to be to ask for something. Put in the work. The truth is, is it does require time sacrificed. Time that we could be doing other things. We all have the time. We just have to decide if it's worth it to speak to God, to spend time in his word. But church, the good thing is in all of this that Christianity is not a one-man show. The Lord did not intend for us to accomplish these things alone. And that is why we need a strong and healthy relationship with our church family. Church, when we spend time together, we're strengthening our faith. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes in in, in chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For 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 if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Now here Solomon was using an illustration of marriage. And so again, we see marriage used to explain our relationship with somebody. And in our first case, it was with Jesus. And now it's with one another. 
It's not some insider secret that even those in the church have struggles in this life. And I love this thought out of Ecclesiastes because church, that's what we have one another for. I would not be standing here today preaching the word to you if it were not for two things. The blessings of God that have given me this opportunity, glory to him for that. I'm thankful for that every day. But also of the encouragement and teachings and examples of those in the church body. Church fellowship grows the body. It makes us stronger. It makes us who we are. Church, we should all desire spiritual growth. At least I I think we do. And so that's why we meet here now, is it not? We meet for Bible class. We have morning worship. We have a, a variety of classes throughout the week, opportunities to get together and hear the word. We meet for Wednesday night services, all so that we can grow as a body. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, uh, the, the Hebrew writer speaks of the importance of gathering together when it's possible. It says, and let us consider how to stimulate one, to one another to love and good deeds, for not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church, we have this time of worship Sometimes we we forget what the purpose of our gathering here is for. Believe it or not, it's not for us to just have meeting times. It's not to just check a box. It's not so we can compel people to be here. But it's so that we can bring each other together to love and good deeds. So that we can come together and glorify our God. And honor and praise Him. And grow stronger together. Church, here's the truth says it up there in, in small writing. says, fellowship isn't sitting next to somebody in church. Fellowship isn't even attending worship. Fellowship is building relationships. Fellowship is taking interest in, in one another's lives. Putting the time in. We can't build relationships if we're not spending time together. I look out among you, and I've seen it week after week. This body filled with diverse talents. Christians young and not as young. People from all walks of life, many professions, skill sets, and experiences. God has blessed us. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. And how are you using those talents to bless your brothers and sisters? God has blessed each and every one. We've been talking about this the last uh, couple weeks in the Sunday morning class with our high schoolers. Every person is a member of this body And while we are one body, we are each unique individuals who have been blessed with individual talents and gifts. You want to be humble. You look out into this body and see all the great things that are being accomplished. Wonderful talents, athletes, business owners. All sorts of walks of life where people are being very successful in what they come to do. It's easy to get caught up in those things and forget where it all comes from. And forget who gave it to us. My talents are not mine. They come from God. Your talents are not yours. They come from God. Your blessings are not yours. They come from God. Sometimes we lose sight of that. And we forget to use our talents to bless one another and to bless our Lord. Church, my encouragement to all of you is to find your ministry. There are hundreds of brothers and sisters here in this body alone. That is hundreds of opportunities every day. For Oldham Lane to fellowship, to grow, and to spread the gospel. 
I thank God for that, and it's my prayer that he's glorified in those efforts. Showing up for Sunday morning worship is not what it takes to have a healthy relationship with Jesus or your brothers and sisters in Christ. Is that part of it? Certainly. But it's so much more. And I get it. I get it. We find ourselves in a complicated relationship with our faith sometimes. We all go through those times where when they're behind us, we're glad they're behind us. We go through those times where we don't care if we ever remember them again. We go through those times where it's hard to talk to people about what is going on. And it's always, an, and it can be a number of issues. It can be spiritual issues. It can be things within our lives that are affecting our spiritual life. We're not oblivious. We know those things exist. This is why we have fellowship, though. So that we have one another to lean upon. One another to, to cry with. To cheer with. We sang it just not long ago in, in the song, God's Family. Sometimes we laugh together, sometimes we cry. Sometimes it takes all the energy we have just to show up and be here because that's all we have left in us. And sometimes once we're here, we have to rely on our brothers and sisters to carry us the rest of the way. That can be very scary. It takes a lot of humility to, to accept that. It takes a lot of setting pride aside in order to get us there. But we ought to remember that we're not the only ones that experience that. Every member of this body at some point or another has faced times in their life where they have faced those struggles. Go talk to them. Time with them. Let them know who you are. Let them know what you need. That is why God has given us one another. Church, I want you to take a moment right now. Look at the, not just next to you, but also behind you in front of you. Take a minute. Go ahead. Just long enough for it to be uncomfortable. Just stare at each other one second too long. Yes, some of the people are family. Some may be close friends. Some you might recognize. Make a commitment to yourself right now. Fellowship with these individuals. Get to know who they are. Spend time with them. Let them know who you are. If no other reason, so that you know each other well enough to know when one another needs help. Because we can't have that if we don't know one another. Now I get it. Sometimes being involved with our church family can be uncomfortable and difficult. It requires sacrifice. It requires vulnerability. It requires humility. And it requires self-sacrifice. But church, why are we here? Why are you here this evening? I want you to ask that of yourself because God asks that of you and I. Are we truly serving him or are we here checking a box? I found myself in that position. Checking a box, showing up. All right, I'm at, I went to church, now I can go and got that out of the way. Whereas it should be the opposite mindset. God brought me here, I get to be here. Church, the Lord has called you and I to serve one another, to laugh together, to love one another, and to lean on one another. The church is only as strong as her people. Let's continue to build a strong body here. Finally, if no other reason should we be building a strong body so that we can be building new relationships within our community. Church, the good news is what brings us here today. Amen?
Amen. The news that Jesus Christ came to this earth, God living in the form of man, and put and was put to death on the cross. And on that cross, he bore our sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 reminds us that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yes, Jesus Christ died on our behalf so that we may have the hope of eternal life. Church, this is an urgent message, one that we should not be selfish with. Don't be selfish with your faith. I want you to think back. Many of you here are baptized believers and have been for many, many years. I want you to think back to the day that you put Christ on in baptism. Some of you, that was recently. It's always a blessing to see the body grow. Some of you, that was many, I won't, I won't go there, many years ago. I want you to think back to that day. Think of how it felt. Think of how blessed you felt, how good it felt. It made your, your body just feel great. It made, it made you, you couldn't even speak about it. I want you to think about the people that got you there. Think about the people that God put in your life that brought you the gospel, that continued to pester you and bother you and drag you to church. The people that invested time in you so that you would come and be a member of this body. Now I want you to ask yourself, what are you doing to be that person for somebody else? What are you doing to share that wonderful feeling with somebody else? Because if it's as good as we say it is, we should be dying to share it. We should be so ecstatic about it that we can't even contain ourselves, wanting everybody to know what we have because it's better than anything that they could ever have. Don't you want to share this beautiful message with, this, with, with the world, with your neighborhood, with your neighbors, everyone around you, is suffering the same horrible disease and you hold the cure, are you going to be selfish with that and not tell them? Are you going to be so selfish as to say, I've done my part or I did my time? Because with that mentality, souls are lost. And yes, I realize it's not going to be easy. We weren't promised it would be. Do you know what Jesus told the apostles when he first sent them out into the world to spread the good news? He said, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Jesus was honest that we're not going to have it easy. Nine times out of ten, we're not just going to walk up to somebody, give them a Bible, and they're going to accept the message. It's going to take time and effort. People will question you. They will doubt you. They will ridicule you. They will minimize you. They will tear your beliefs apart. And at the very least, they will question our faith. But nonetheless, we've been given our mission to go out and spread the message anyway, knowing the risks. Our mission is to go out and build new relationships so that we can share the gospel. Nothing in this life worth doing comes easy. You'll, if you haven't learned that, you will. Everything that is the life came at a cost and came at time sacrifice. Church, especially when it comes to the work, that we're asked to do as Christians. We can make excuses. We can allow ourselves to be intimidated by the world. But we need to take those opportunities when they come our way. In our Bible class this morning, we were talking about how some might say, oh, I'm just a speaker, or I don't know enough. 
or I can't go and get in front of people, or I can't do this or that, or whatever the excuse might be. But the truth is, is we all have a ministry. We have to find it. In fact, one of the things that we shared this morning in class was out of, uh, this was about 2014, a study conducted uh, together with OCU uh, and I want to say Harding, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And between their two classes of incoming freshmen, 70% of those people said that they were brought to Christ by their mother. 70%. The next biggest category, family and friends. Not the minister. Was not the minister, was not the worship leader, was not the great group of elders. Great group of elders, by the way. It was people that loved and cared about them. Church, we have to be building relationships with people, showing them how much we love and care, so that way when we do present the gospel, they know we're doing it because we care. Church, I want you to think of all the tragic events that have happened in your life, or even broader, in nation's history, all the tragedies in our nation's history. If you knew what was going to happen before it did, would you not do everything in your power to stop it? Think of the own tragedies in your life. If you, didn't, if you knew they were going to happen, you know you would have tried to stop them. Church, if you knew the cure to a great disease, would you not share it? Everyone you love, everyone you know around you in this world is suffering the same disease of sin. We know the gospel message. We have received it. You and I would be well to share it. We just did it a moment ago, but I want everyone to do it with me. Let's see it. I'll wait. This little light of mine. Take that seriously. Make that promise to yourself right now that you are going to let it shine. There's a poem I'd like to share with you and then we'll close. This is one that was written many years ago. Could not really truly find who the author is credited to. But it's one that humbled me. Made me understand just how serious the, the predicament the world is in. And it's a poem written by someone on their judgment day. It says, My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you are to blame somehow. On earth I walked with you day by day, never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory. Never did you tell me the story. My knowledge then was very dim, but never did you point me to him. Though we lived together on earth, you never told me of his birth, and now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things in life, that's true. I called you friend and I trusted you. But I learn now that it's too late. You could have saved me from this fate. We walk by day and talk by night, and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die. You knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life. I laughed with you through joy and strife, and yet on coming to the end, I find that you were not my friend. Church, 
Don't let this reflect your relationship with your loved ones, with those that you care about in your life. We've been given the greatest gift there is to receive. The love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross so that we may be saved. We need to be sharing that gift. A brother once preached that he was a dying man preaching to a dying people. We're all dying. We can't stop that. But church, we can save. We can warn our neighbors. We can preach and teach about eternal life. We may not be able to stop a physical death that one day comes for all of us. But we can prevent a spiritual one. So tonight as you sit here, think of your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, your family members, your close friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, that special person in your life, all of those that have not obeyed the gospel. Go build relationships with those individuals. Relationships matter so much, church. What's your status in those relationships? And yes, the truth is, these relationships can be complicated, but they can always be made stronger, and these relationships can always be healed. Every sermon I've ever preached has ended fairly similar. Every sermon I've ever heard preached has ended fairly similar. Recap of the lesson, maybe a mention of baptism, and then the same, please come forward as we stand and sing phrase. I think there's some misunderstandings of the invitation that we offer. Sometimes it's seen as something shameful, as something scary, as something that might make us look weak. When in reality, it's an opportunity. It can be a homecoming. It, can be a, it, can, it shows strength and humility. And it makes us stronger individuals and it makes us a stronger church. The invitation we offer is an opportunity to receive the prayers of the church. To respond to what you've heard tonight. To change your life. If there's something that we can pray about tonight, come and let myself or an elder know. Let us lift you up in prayer tonight. If we can assist you, let us know. This body here, I know them well, and this is a group of individuals waiting to help, wanting to serve. So whatever the need might be, I invite you, I beg you, dare I even say, to come forward and respond tonight as we sing our song of invitation.